shocks the world. Hey, hey, guys, welcome back. Yes, we're back. TR shocks the world. I'm Ray Russell, and joining me, of course, is Mr. TR himself, Tom Robinson, back on the airwaves once again. Welcome back, Tom. Well, ditto to you, sir. Welcome back to breathing on your own and and things of that nature. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I was on a bit of a hiatus or a hyenitis, and I was there for a little while. Uh, For those who don't know or didn't listen to the uh, little short uh, podcast I did, I put out. I was down with the COVID, uh, COVID pneumonia, and in the hospital for uh, a week. Whole thing lasted a little longer than a week, but uh, yeah, I was in the hospital for a week. I have to thank my night nurse. I, I started started to mention that, and I went off topic, and I never got back on that, Tom. Uh, so I'll just I'll say it here on this show. I thank her because she was so terrible that it made me want to get out of the hospital. Otherwise, I likely would have been there a few more days. But when she said the magic words, "I'll be back tomorrow night." <laughs> I asked the morning nurse, what all do I need to do to be able to do to get out of here today? And I did it. May the 4th, because it was May the 4th be with you. I watched Star Wars and Yoda and Luke Skywalker. I used the power of the Jedi to get out of the hospital that day. May the Force be with you. Nice. Not a Star Wars guy myself, but uh, I'm glad you got out May 4th. Those bad nurses can really suck ass. Um I think my late father would uh, concur with that. Yeah, shoving pillows it. on your head when you're sleeping, and so and <laughs> I almost said so forth. You almost had to ding. Oh, you have to do that. Yeah, that's your myself. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> well, give it the ding anyway if you have it. <laughs> well, you said you said it after the fact. You said I almost said so forth. So technically, you did. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a ding. But yeah, night nurses suck. Uh, they don't want to be there most of the time. I, uh, Me, I'm a night. I'm a vampire. I prefer third shift, whatever I work. But stuck in the morning for now. I had a terrible assignment while you were down. It was good timing because I was miserable. I mean, usually miser- miserable is good for me on air because then I can vent. But I don't know if it would have been a good fit. So if you had to be sick, which you know apparently you did, you picked a good time. Okay. Well, I'm glad that my, my COVID pneumonia worked well with your, <laughs> with your job schedule. Yeah. I'm glad you, <laughs> you know, your life threatening illness. Um, and, uh, Bruce Mitchell apparently got fired because he questioned what it was uh, from what I heard. Really? Uh, wrong, wrong, wrong guy. <laughs> yeah! No disrespect to Brody Lee. He's a hell of a man, hell of a worker. I just, I, I, I don't know Bruce Mitchell or whatever, but I thought that was a little overreaction on Wade Keller's part to part with a guy he's been with for 35 years for saying, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, all he said was, well, he dies of a lung failure during this pandemic. I think there's more to this than meets the eye or something like that. Right. Well, it's cancel culture, man. Everybody's trying to, whether it's right or wrong, which I don't necessarily agree with a lot of the canceling, but... It's, it's really, you're right. It's really unfortunate that you have long time relationships with people and you just kind of dump them based off of a question or a sentence. Yeah. And I know other people were thinking that they, they just didn't say it. And, uh, sure. I mean, it's, it's just logical human thinking. 
It's going to be in the back of your head, no matter what. I, I would assume, anyway. If you if you thought for yourself, anyway. Yeah, I mean, now it's going to sound like I'm anti you know, <laughs> Mrs. Lee. Oh God, no. I'm, I, I am certainly not. Uh, but I was a real big fan of her husband. I really would like to see where he would be right now with right. all the talent that 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 has came in since and so forth. <laughs> Did it on purpose. Ding ding. But yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I wasn't planning on getting on that topic while we were discussing your health, but I just thought it was an overreaction. And, you know, it's a fair question during a pandemic if somebody dies of a lung-related illness at age 41, for Christ's sake. Yeah, I really didn't see mine coming, man. So I, I hear you. <laughs> like, uh, I got the shot, and then two days later, I got the fever. I thought it was from the shot. The fever went on for almost a week. I said, that's not normal. I got the cough later in the week, and cough got worse and worse went to the hospital they didn't want me there they were like go home if it, if it drops below whatever you come on back in and by the time i went back in three days later i uh, lost my breath three times couldn't even get my breath back so that's crazy and you're i mean you're not like an obese guy or not you're just like a, no. a, a big dude kind of yeah right yeah i'd i'd uh well i'm no longer in the shape i was like in my early 20s or anything because i'm in my early 40s now but uh, I, I would say I was kind of built like Taz, not today Taz, who's as wide as he is tall, but I got that, the broad shoulders, the broad chest. He's what, five, he's probably five, eight, five, nine. I'm five, nine, five, ten. So I, I kind of got that build going with a little meat on me right now. I could, I could, let's put it this way. I could afford to lose at least 20. I could do that. Lucky for yeah, me, I, I can, I can put, I can drop 25, but then I put it right back on. Yeah, lucky or unlucky, depending on how you look at it. I'm the same way. Well, actually, dropping is tough because I have zero discipline. I spent my whole formulative years trying to gain weight so I could be a pro wrestler instead of just a manager and stooge and whatever the fuck. And then I put it on, and I was lifting weights simultaneously, and people said, ah, you should diet, you know, if you really want the mus you know, muscle mass and even with steroids, which I experimented, I would never hidden from that that I've used those. But I never dieted, and like not at all. Carbs, pasta, you name it. I just wanted to be a big dude. I got myself over 300 pounds at one point. I think 307 was my high, and uh, I'm six or six one, depending on how fat and bloated my feet are, I guess, <laughs> because I've been uh, measured as both naked. So let's settle at six foot and a half. Yeah, and I got up to 307. Uh, that's when I worked for the Sixers <clears throat> as a Broad Street beefcake. Did we ever bring that up? No. Yeah, 2006, 2007, I saw an audition uh, advertised, and I was doing stand-up, singing, independent wrestling shows, anything entertainment that I could because I hated that job too. My regular job that I had, I was always chasing that neon rainbow, as Alan Jackson would say. Chasing that neon rainbow. Living that honky-tonk dream. And uh, there was this audition at the Sixers practice facility. And it was all, you had to be 275 minimum to even qualify. And we all just fucking danced, like, in front of the cheerleaders and entertainment director or whatever the person's position was. And I was one of the lucky 12 who made the squad. We, uh, every, not every home game, but every big home game. Like uh, when Kobe would come or Shaq would come or LeBron would come. And a Allen Iverson was still a member of the Sixers at that point, too. 
we had uh we got paid i believe it was 150 per rehearsal and 300 per game we had our own dressing room we were called the broad street beefcakes and we were actually pretty fucking good because our what do you call it what debbie allen used to do paul abdul choreographer right he was pretty he was a professional dancer even though he's a fat pig like us but he was good (laughs) and uh you know we uh we were pretty good if you ever want to see me in action dancing there is footage of all of our games but it's private you got to get it through the sixers somehow but if you go to youtube keith from up the block is the artist he was one of the broad street beefcakes as well he's known as the black weird al he does parody songs so he did chicken noodle soup which was a semi-popular dance back then and it was a parody of he called it chicken cheese steak and yours truly was uh doing the chicken noodle soup during that music video if anybody wants to check it out chicken cheese steak Woo! chicken cheese steak chicken cheese steak canceled on the side yeah! chicken cheese steak chicken cheese steak chicken cheese steak canceled on the side larry oh you're a famous man and we didn't even know it outside of just wrestling everywhere 12 <laughs> movies <laughs> pretty damn good all kinds of shit you know you were talking about like uh having video footage of that stuff i seen you uh go on twitter and post a few old clips uh from uh your youth your ute uh in pro wrestling it looked yeah like, that was pretty good stuff what was that from for those who haven't been on twitter or anything that haven't seen the video why don't you uh, explain it to everybody well i posted a few i got still trying to get rid of my mother's house um my mother's an 85 year old my best friend but she's stubborn to get rid of her house for some reason so we moved a lot of the stuff out, not all, but I'm I'm trying to find my pictures that got lost. Like, I lost pictures of myself with Lou Fez and, you know, very oh, valuable shit. Right, absolutely, yeah. And uh, they might be in the pile of shit that I just brought in the apartment, but I brought in a lot of tapes. And I believe one of the things I put was the night of when I had the infamous slash famous Tom Robinson benefit show. I took ill in 1989-ish and uh, was misdiagnosed, given medication for systemic lupus, not to be confused with systemic racism. uh, That's very popular these days. But systemic lupus, and, uh, you know, I wasn't really smart enough to malpractice or anything. Back in that day, I didn't believe there was such things as anxiety that could raise your blood pressure. So I had high blood pressure. I was dropping off because I was dropping weight and just the whole mess of stuff and i was always with or working for dennis carluzzo always at the nwa shows and indie shows and whatever else and uh, these somewhat friends you can never be sure who's your friend but friendly acquaintances in various promotions came in and worked for free they worked uh the next night and got paid i believe so they it wasn't all like uh you know on their own dime but because there was two shows or whatever. As far as I am aware of, everybody worked for free uh, that night with the main event. Scheduled to be Terry Funk and Cactus Jack versus the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette. Bobby had an injury, but was also having contract talks with WCW to stay when them guys left. Right. So I don't know. I don't care. Bobby showed up and was at ringside. He was replaced with Eddie Gilbert. Well, if you're going re- to replace Bobby with somebody, I mean... Hell, dude. 
I mean, yeah, they were all, yeah, I didn't give a fuck. I was just so happy that they gave a fuck about me and, you know. Um, no, it was really cool. And I was starting to feel better as it was. So I showed up at the show. Wasn't going to sit the fuck home. And I, I didn't feel all that good. I kind of left after a couple matches. And then uh, I told him if I felt better, I'd meet him down. Because Chris Zaviza, who was a longtime Observer guy, and John Muse who you still see on Twitter. He was a, uh, I, I think he worked for somebody, but he was always fantasy booking, but not fantasy. He kind of was making real, you know, show templates and four pages and five pages at a time of episodes. And he pretty much gave us all. So I think somebody gave him a shot at one point, maybe impact. I don't know. Maybe he's still involved in some way. I talked to him on Twitter, but I never really asked him. But anyhow, they were having a tape party of all things. That sounds really corny now, but back then it was uh, kind of the, the sh- thing to do. The shit. That was the shit. Oh, the shit. Yeah, you watch stuff you don't usually see. Right. And uh, it was at one point in the room was the late Brian Hildebrand, who worked my benefit as well. Love Brian. Uh, Cornette, Cactus Jack. I guess that was all that were in the business or Scott Dickinson was in the business too, who later went on to referee for WCW. Right. Um, smart fan guys of that era. J- Jamie Ward, John McAdam, myself. God, I already said Muse and Javiza and Dave Meltzer. Meltz was in there. The Meltz. So, I mean, considering Meltz and Cornette have words back and forth now, having a chance to to throw on the internet those guys hanging out back in the day and cracking jokes. It was pretty cool. Yeah, right on, man. It was uh, kind of cool. I, I just was surfing uh, my Twitter feed, and I, that popped up, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Good shit. This is such good shit. Yeah, I mean, one of these days, I'm going to, like, hopefully have a lot of money and fly you in from Cleveland with equipment and have you because you're smarter with that kind of shit, or my other buddy, Nate, from West Virginia, or both, come in and just fucking transfer all my tapes to high quality and take sound bites from this one and you know just convert them all yeah absolutely i have all the equipment i do that actually on the daily i get all my old tapes out and i continue to convert them from the 80s early 90s see the problem ray is i would just send them to you the the problem is i was so non-organized which is still part of my problem right um (laughs) that you on this one tape you could see Myself and my friends doing a horrible comedy that we thought was cutting edge at the time mm-hmm. for 10 minutes. Then you could see a ring rat with her naked body for five minutes. Right on. Then you could see Cornette and them guys. And then you could see my mom and dad playing with the cat. It's like, <laughs> I need control of the tapes because I need control of what goes where. And, I hear you. you know. I got so. you. Yeah, some of my, some of my tapes are kind of like that. Not 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 necessarily that all over the place, but yeah, absolutely. Ditto. Mine are all over the fucking place. I went to Morton Downey <laughs> jo- uh, Junior show with Dennis Larry Sharp. Uh, yeah, I just con- I just converted that. I posted uh, a clip of that, I think, or maybe just some picture of that on my Twitter a few months back. Yeah, I I got that. Which bit, show uh, was it? Because there was two of them. Uh man, there was a lot of those uh, guys that were working the Indies too at the time up there. I I can't remember who they were. I I wasn't even familiar with some of them. I think Albano was there with yeah, them. I think that I got a picture with Albano in the green room, so I think that's the one I was at. Hell of a time. It was the first time I was 
introduced to the backstage um, premise of Jerry Springer-like TV. Right. It was, you know, 95% work. It was like 5% spontaneity. And, uh, you know, we were all kind of plants, but, you know, I guess the argument was sort of real. The uh, whatever the was it union was. was it was it about union unionization or something along those lines? I can't remember. Should have been. I mean, the first one was Jim Wilson. And yeah, all them, and Thunderbolt Patterson. Uh, I just remember Doctor D being like going back <laughs> and forth with Thunderbolt Patterson. I, this I wasn't in the audience for that one. Yeah, this was I, not that one. Yeah, I, I, I would remember, I remember if I. Yeah, I've seen that one. I I, I would have remembered if I, I converted that one. I if I have it, I haven't converted it yet. Thunderbolt was like individual certain individuals. Uh, and Doctor D's <laughs> like, well, tell them about 1974 when you brought God into the ring with you. <laughs> Dave, the redneck Schultz, as the fans call you, you see something like this happen, it's got to be upsetting to you. It don't upset me at all, baby. Let me tell you, I think it's great. You know what I mean? If you're going to go on a hunt, you got to be able to run with the big boys. If he can't run with the big boys, he said, get out. He shouldn't come out here. Last time I was in San Francisco, I went downtown looking for a woman. You know what I mean? I wanted a woman. I couldn't find a woman. I found a lot of men that looked like women. Now you, Hulk Hogan, you belong in San Francisco. What's wrong with you, Gene? I'm telling you like it is, baby. You belong in San Francisco. That's your kind of place. That's your kind of people because you've never had a woman, baby. And now I'm challenging you. I'm challenging uh, you right uh, now. It was just, uh, uh, what a pair. What a, what a pair to put on stage together. Yeah, and then when, uh, <laughs> when Schultz was wanting to say, this Jim Wilson was it. Saying that, uh, I guess he was alluding to Jim Barnett wanted to have sex with him. And, uh, of Doc got in his face and says, You saying somebody want to have sex with you? <laughs> someone want to have sex with you, boy? Nobody wants to have sex with you. Anyway. All right. So let's, let's get a little more present. Let's get a little more modern day for those tuning in. They've been listening to your thoughts on the recent WWE, the recent AEW, uh, Kevin Nash and his issues at home, things of that nature, you know, the good stuff from the 2000s. <laughs> so yeah. uh, recently was the AEW pay-per-view, and I know you were you were you started putting over some of the early matches, then you kind of disappeared from Twitter. You had mentioned to me before the show that maybe you want to record about the show, following the show, or within the next day or two, and uh, then the next time I heard from you, you really you said you maybe you really didn't remember. Some of the pay-per-view? So did, yeah. Uh, did you ever get a chance to go back and watch any of it, or did you just you know, say, eh? I, I have this thing where, I mean, I could say I don't have the time, but you can always make the time if you want to. You can watch a match here and there. I just didn't have the desire to watch it again at all. I think I kind of got giddy into the two to three beer buzz early on, and the fact that there was a live hot crowd. One thing I do remember and will stand by is Rio. Her name is Rio, and she dances on the sand. Yep. Her name is Rio, and she dances on the sand. Um, I'm not a big fan of her little 99-pound ass. I, uh, you know, not one of my girls, so to speak. Versus Serena Deeb, who's now a yogi. She <laughs> came... Her body came a long uh, way, uh, not saying good nor bad, 
from when she had big giant jugs and got her head shaved by CM Punk. Yeah. Um, to join whatever the fuck she joined, Straight X or Triple X or I don't Malcolm X Society. What the fuck was it? Straight Edge Society. Straight Edge. That's it. I thought there was an X in there. But anyway, uh, there's an X straight edge <laughs> that fucking girl. Uh, you know, I, I they always say that Serena's like great technically and she was a teacher with WWE at some point and whatever. And Rio has always been said to be a decent worker in Japan. I'm not into the Japanese chicks anymore. It's been a long time since, you know, all those other superstars in Japan, Jaguar, Yakota and my Santa's dance Chigusa Nagayo or whatever. You got that fuck. one right anyway. All those broads. I knew all their names back back then, but and they, you know that was that was an interesting alternative back then. But other than Oscar, I can't think off the top of my head any of them that got over here. And she's not over to the point of like Charlotte or anything. But I digress. Rio worked a damn good match, and Serena Deeb, uh, I believe, called it. Or I don't know who produced it, but that was the pre-show match with a fucking. White hot crowd, as Steve Austin would say. And they told, I mean, I hate to sound like an old timer, but they really did tell a story about working towards Serena's finish where she failed a number of times, a lot of false finishes, not a lot, but few. And, you know, she, it, it appeared to be an athletic competition, as a Jim Cornette would say and enjoy. Right. Towards the end where she was smashing her leg into the, the mat to, you know, kind of show to the audience, both live and worldwide, I'm really trying to injure this girl so I can set my finish up and get it done, of which happened, and I thought it was fantastic. And I was sober for that. Uh, <laughs> about beer number four through eight or nine was the next three matches, and that's when I went on Twitter and said it was the best thing of all time or something like that, and you were like, I think we're thinking a lot different on this one. Yeah, well, so, I mean, that's just, it's one man's opinion versus another. I really just truly thought that you really was, you were enjoying it. That was what you were into. That's, you know how Dave DeMeltz, he's kind of changed with the time, if you want to call it that. You know, that's why him and Corny argue and whatever is Corny's very old school and Dave's very, very adapted to the modern business, the way the layout of the matches go now. And I'm somewhere in between. Like, I still need portions of the old school. I still need to invest my interest into the match. Like, I have to believe this is a competition of some sort, lose myself in the match, so to speak, rather than just watch our guys take turns doing moves. And I agree with you. That pre-show match was very well done. I'm still not a fan of Rio. I saw some flubs in there. That is what it is with her specifically. But the story they told, that was a really good story, even though I really didn't want to like that match because they're both kind of bland. Like, I don't, I don't care for Rio. I don't even know if she's bland or not. I just... I tune her out when she's on my screen. Typically Serena Deeb is just very, very bland to me. So I just kind of tune her out too, I guess, but it was on my screen. I'm watching it and I'm like, you know what? I, they were, you were right. They were telling that story to get to her submission hold. And she finally gets to her submission hold. So it was a really good match for a pre-show match. I don't know that it was exciting in the, in that I would put it on the pay-per-view, but as a pre-show match, it beats just about anything Vince throws out there these days. It wasn't your oxygen level at like, four percent or some shit during during your viewing no no uh it was uh they wouldn't I mean, let me out on. of the hospital now come on talk about a dead audience no <laughs> uh, i'm revving you because you're fine now that's the only yeah, way yeah. i would say this thing 
Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here, I'm I'm not gonna go through the whole show or anything. I just wanted to see if there was anything particular I wanted to touch on real quick. So you you'll see. So there's the deep match. Touch on what's this Grizzly Smith biography? Oh my god, did you watch that? Holy shit! Yeah, we'll get to that too. We'll oh man, to let's see. Hangman Page and Brian Cage. Do you remember any of that one? Uh, yeah, I think I liked it. Um, they could have. <laughs> I think I liked it. <laughs> they could have sold more a little bit, but uh, Cage just squashed Page couple of weeks prior and i was wondering why the fuck that happened who better than brian cage mr fucking charisma god he's terrible he's uh built well and can do everything but i would never put a microphone in front of him i might not put a dick in front of him either after he lived with canyon for all who? those months when he was 16 but who better hey he's got a wife and kids so who am i to judge come on man he can do whatever he wants right this is uh 2021 yeah. man <laughs> Maybe I, I, maybe not so much back then when he was 17. Somebody but. said it. Some, I run into a lot of brothers. Brothers, I mean African-American people. I work with some great friends, and uh, I'm not saying it was one of them. Somebody, though, in, in my path was like, might have been on TV. I don't even know. But somebody was like, man, who's sucking the dick? It don't matter. It's 2021. Everybody's sucking the dick anyway. Just keep that <laughs> ass away from me. I don't want no AIDS and shit. <laughs> so... I don't know what that has to do with anything, but you said it's 2021. I was talking about Brian Cage. Hey, man. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, so, like, the main thing here with me was there's nothing really necessarily wrong with the match, but it just began the night of run-ins. Like, almost every match had to have run-ins, so I wrote WCW time. And that was the first match in the pay-per-view, and I wrote that almost feeling like this is not the last time we're going to see a run-in tonight, and it wasn't. It was almost in every match, whether it was right after the match or the finish of the match or in the middle of the match. It, was, it felt like one of those dynamites where they're trying to get everybody onto the show. So we got to, and it wasn't that bad. I mean, there wasn't 80 guys on the show, but it was still, let's see what we can do here. So Ricky Starks comes out and, and hook brother. Got to get my son a payday brother. So, you know, Taz is always there whenever they're booking. You, you can just see him stand. Why don't, why don't you have hook run down right there? I'm sick of this shit. That's been going on with this company. I'm sick of it. <laughs> yeah, I, and I know, man. Like I've said it in previous shows, it's Rey Mysterio against uh, Psychosis ECW Arena. That time period, I mean, he was rivaling the original Tiger Mask as far as my favorite guys. Now, if I see him and that stupid son walk out, I change the channel. And it's the same when Hook's hitting guys like Sting and fucking, you know, no pun, but icons of the business with like a leg chop or a fucking yeah. judo throw that he learned in a strip mall in Piscataway, New Jersey, for Christ's sake. Um, An abandoned uh, strip mall. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just No, that was the Darby Allen match. Never mind. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I just, I like Taz, as I said before, but keep your fucking kid off TV for now. Just for now. I ain't leaving, brother. I don't give a fuck. Stop my pain. I ain't going nowhere. And I wasn't happy with the booking of, you know, with the run-ins. And then they had Brian Cage basically murder uh, Hangman Page with a, a variety of death moves in a row. And naturally, Page gets out of it. He hits his, you know, fucking little flippy lariat, the buckshot lariat, and just pins Cage like a, like a bitch after the fact. I get the story. Oh, the heels came out. They wanted Cage to cheat. He didn't want to cheat. And he turns around and runs into the dude's finisher and he does the job. But at the same time, you just, you just hit this guy. Like he just hit Paige with like 10 finishers in a row. I mean, like nasty power bombs, all this shit. 
dude's kicking out everything. You do a job to one clothesline. It, it like I don't, I don't get what they're doing. I don't know that they're doing know what they're doing with Cage. Every week nah. he's like a different character. Is he a badass? Is he? What is he? They know. I don't know. I, I, I'm with you there. Like if if a guy that looks like that and is called the machine should have brought him in as the machine. Yeah. Plain and simple. And well, you know, and no pun intended, but it's like they only really pay attention to their inner circle. And I don't mean, you know, the Jericho's group. I mean, right. just the guys that are in their inner circle. And those are the guys they focus on. And everybody else just kind of goes everywhere. It's like something you never know what you're going to get with them. You don't even know what their character necessarily is. Christian came in to outwork everyone. I've seen him wrestle like once. Yeah, Christian's got a pretty high work ethic for a guy who worked three times, I think, now in uh, two months. <laughs> well, that's one but, way to, to – well, he's already lost. But I was going to say that's one way to stay undefeated. Uh, you know, if you just work a couple times a year. Yeah, I mean, he's a great worker. He's a recognizable face uh, that Vince doesn't like. Facially, um, I guess the future remains to be seen with him, but not so much so far with Matt Seidel and whoever the fuck else he was in there with. And right, I don't know. Uh, now he's a Jungle Boy supporter. Or, I don't know what. The, yeah, I've been following. I've been following that loosely. I just feel I, I assumed based on the finish of that Royal Rumble, whatever the hell that was at the pay per view, that the. Looks like they're already giving up on Christian and he's going to go heel to feud with Jungle Boy. I don't know. To get Jungle Boy over to that next level? I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't watch any of their YouTube shows unless it's like late at night and I have the time to put something on. Uh-huh. But I don't know what the hell's going on in there. If they're, if they're following storylines or guys are getting wins or whatever. But to me, that they shouldn't have bought that rights to that. No, whoa, 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 whatever that fucking song is. Oh, dude, I love that song. That makes him for me. I'm so uh, I'm, I'm sure it does for now. <laughs> Live crowd is into it, but he's fucking. If you're in pro wrestling gorilla, you can be Jungle Boy. If everybody knows your dad was on 90210, just be fucking Jack Perry. I don't even mind the, the name gimmick, and I like the, the pairing with Luchasaurus <clears throat> to a degree, but the thing with me is, is, you know, when he first came into AEW, Jim Ross, without even, I guess, without even discussing it with him, was calling him Jungle, was he Jack Perry? Is that his name? Jack Perry, yeah. Okay, Jack, yeah, he was calling him Jungle Jack Perry, even though he was being introduced as Jungle Boy, and Ross went on his podcast and other things and explained that he did that because he told him, you have a background, you're, everybody knows who your father is, take advantage of it. And that's why Jim Ross was trying to, in Jim Jim's mind, Jr.'s mind, elevate him. And I don't know what happened there, but it, you know, if, I don't know if you noticed, but he's still just Jungle Boy. So yeah, Jim uh, went into business for himself, like with my with a similar thought pattern to me. I guess I didn't hear that. Yeah, that's that's been a long time. That's like when you know, I think at least when TV first started, uh, Jr. was doing that a little bit. And uh, I don't know that he, I don't pay attention enough to notice, but I haven't heard him do that in a very, very, very long time. And obviously it hasn't caught on otherwise. They're not they're not selling him as that. And I, I agree with you though. I, I don't necessarily say get rid of the jungle thing, but just give him his whole name. Yeah, I mean it, it's just it's odd to me, but you know, the world's odd, so it's nothing to get hung up on. Um, no, but no. Back to, back to I'm just case. fantasy booking things, man. If I was in no, charge, no, that's what I would do. I'm not, I'm not I'm not directing that to you. I'm I'm just thinking to myself that I forgot something about that page cage thing. If I remember correctly, 
it was either that match or a page squash match. I, I think it's the Joey Janela squash match, which wasn't a squash by any means, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I'm thinking now that it must have been Janela because there was a lot of potatoes in that fucking match. And I guess Cage is a little better than that. So I don't think it was Cage, but that fucking, uh, what the hell's his finish called again? Slings? No. Uh, Buckshot Lariat? Buckshot Lariat. He fucking hit, it must have been Janelle, not Cage. He hit Cage right in the fucking bridge of the nose. I mean, he hit him hard. If you can find that match and go back to, because he was bleeding from the head and from the mouth and mm-hmm. all these hard way shots from Janela. I mean, he hit that motherfucker good with that finish. But anyway. Well, very cool. I'll have to go back and check that out. I like watching violence. So, <laughs> um, so I was, you know, I, I only wrote one sentence for the Cody match. So that's where, that's where you're, you kind of, that's where you lose your memory after that. So that's the last thing I wanted to just touch on real quick was Cody take, took on Anthony Agogo and they built that up based on, uh, Agogo's track record outside of wrestling, I guess, technically. And he's uh, in there with Cody and they don't really play it up or anything during the actual match. And at this point, I should point out every match prior to this had went 30 minutes. Maybe the match didn't go 30 minutes, but from the time they came out to the, through the match, the introductions, through the outro, whatever the hell else they were doing, everything got about 30 minutes. Like, the Royal Rumble had about 24 uh, minutes. The, the Young Bucks versus Moxley and Kingston went 21 minutes. So everybody was going about 30 minutes, and I'm like, I think I texted you at some point, or, or maybe I, I don't know. But um, I said, by the time this is over, it's going to be 2 a.m. If everybody gets 30 minutes, and no sooner than I said that, boom, you could see every, it's like the intros were rushed. There were Boom, 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 hammering these out. All these matches all of a sudden started going 11 minutes, 9 minutes for, for just a little bit here to squeeze it in. And Cody and Agogo, the only thing I wrote here was, Cody. I don't know if you remember the finish, Cody won with a vertebraker. <laughs> I didn't care for the match. I wrote that was short and crap. And I'm glad it only went 11 minutes, but it was like a long 11 minutes, but it was short compared to everything else on the show. Do you see what I mean with Cody? He's like Triple H times 10. He gets every major angle that's different than your normal, typical wrestling angle that you can book with anybody. He gets five nicknames and monikers. He uses whatever finisher he feels like that was cool at some point that nobody really does because people get killed and, and shit or, or, or could possibly. You should go back and watch how long it takes him to get this fucker up into the fucking vertebraker. And I'm like, oh, shit. I mean, it was a safe landing and whatever by the time it was over with, but. If it takes you that long to apply the hold, I just wouldn't, I would abandon, but abandon it and call an audible and go into something else. Right it was, like hell, yeah. So, yeah, go, go. Um, I think that's the funniest. I don't know if I, if we were on air by then, back then, or my timeline screwed up, but I do listen to Cornette, uh, experience and whatever drive through one or the other when I'm at work, whichever ones fits my schedule to, to listen while I'm driving and right. He usually has the, the, the old shit that used to make me laugh back in the day, the one-liners, like the Henny Youngman bullshit. The, sure. That slicker to come on a gold tooth and, you know, all that kind of shit. Right, and, right. But, you know, to me, that's, at this stage, kind of hacky and, and, and dated. Uh, but he did legitimately crack, crack me up with original material when he said that that stable sounds like uh, a voodoo chant. And he said, uh, <laughs> he started saying their names... Uh, uh, solo, Camaroto, Agogo. It is I, 
Papa Shango! <laughs> and uh, so kudos to, to Jimmy for some original comedic material. I wish I, I kind of came up with that myself because I would use that on these guys all the time. But Agogo did set himself apart from the other guys. He, uh, I'm not going to say it was a good match either. Uh, from what I remember, I remember it being kind of a letdown. Cody, you're right, does position himself. I guess that EVP thing works to have these different spots on the show that usually end up memorable and maybe an illusion that he's a lot better than he is. I don't know. But he usually kind of steals the show in one way or the other. But this was kind of blah. But to me, I, I got to see a go-go. And I think they mentioned at some point he was on Dancing with the Stars. Did I hear correctly? I have no idea. It's possible. I mean, that's not like uh, Prime Mash or something that's dominating the ratings. <laughs> but it is a rub. It gets people more eyeballed. So if he was that, quote, famous, so to speak, hell, I mean, that and his, his natural ability and not intimidated by the moment, that wasn't the word I was looking for. But he looked like he'd been there before, and he only had two televised matches as far as I know. Right. So... I think he has the it factor. Um, I'll say this, never, too. I mean, he didn't look lost in there, if the, I, and, and based on what you're saying. Yeah, he didn't look lost. He looked like he knew what he was doing. Right, right. So, I mean, I think he might have a little bit of future. And the guy I thought had the biggest future, Camarado, I mean, I don't know if you saw this bull rope match the other night, but he would do a, a move to Dustin and then just kind of stand there not knowing what to do next, like, a veteran will usually say, all right, you know, fuck with the crowd or all right, do something while they're selling. Yeah. And a guy that looks like that should have just been all over him, you know, putting the heat on him. Heat, heat, heat. He wasn't. He just, he kind of seems like he gets lost, which is a shame because the guy looks like a fucking million bucks. Even I heard Tony Khan on uh, Busted Open Radio. I had free series in my van for a month or something. And uh, Khan was talking about dynamite and camarado's name came up with mark henry he goes henry's like now that's what a wrestler should look like but i'll be done seeing about everything when i see an elephant fly (laughs) well he's definitely i mean he definitely has the look looks like uh like because khan is of the observer ilk grew up reading the observer and yeah you know he likes the young bucks and kenny omega and they obviously don't have that look Right. Um, he paused for a second, and then his response was, well, yeah, Mark, that's why I want to have, you know, our new guys like Big Show and obviously yourself to sit down with some of our bigger guys and, you know, teach them. And he's like, I can't wait to get them under the learning tree. That's a wrestling. <laughs> the learning tree of Mark Henry. Yeah, I know. Now, if I had the choice between Ernie Ladd's learning tree and Mark Henry, no offense to Mark Henry. He's been around the business a while now. Seems like a nice guy. Very passionate guy. Uh, yeah. But- I'm picking Ernie Ladd, Big Cat, every, every day of the week. I was in the back of looking at the model and a drunk Indian was out here again. I know it was full of whiskey. Shut up out there. That drunken Indian got some feathers. Somewhere along the line, our time up again. I noticed one other thing. That Tommy Rich is still sticking his nose in it. Things that don't belong to him. That nice woman is sticking his nose in it. Like Tony Atlas, we're going to send him back to Africa, no question about it. But that egg-sucking dog, drunken Indian, he belongs back on the reservation in a teepee. 
I'm gonna pluck them fellows. I know Thanksgiving is not here, but I just sold a pick me up there and make my own personal Thanksgiving. Well, Indian, I know you're somewhere full of whiskey and looking at that television. Brother, I'm gonna pluck them fellows. Tommy Rich, you got a leg that needs going to the doctor, and I'm gonna send you and work on it. Mass vomit. I'm gonna pull that mask off you and let everybody know that you are a criminal. There ain't no question about it. What do you think about that, Gordon? I think we can terminate our conversation and let's listen to these. Very. Yeah, I, I, I would take Ernie Ladd as well as far as learning the business. But yeah, I mean, I agree with Mark, though. That is what a wrestler should look like. It's just that I'm guilty as well. I saw him over to Monster Factory when he was supposedly a kid. And he went through WWE Performance Center, and they got rid of him. And he went through the Nightmare Factory, and now he's got a pushed roll, and he's still just. I gotta say, Tom, that WWE going through the NXT or going through that the training, whatever that they go through to to try to get in there or stay there. Look at some of the guys that get called up just because of their size. Not necessarily the Amos guy, because you can't really tell what he can or can't do. A guy that size ain't gonna do much anyway. Uh, but the other dude. Who is with what's he's on the other brand now? What the hell is he? He's like a freaking South African. What's Major his Guns. Name? Yeah, sure. Major Guns. I remember her. I miss but, her. Uh, <laughs> Tylene Buck. Woo. Well, yeah, Google her a, name. She's Admiral all over the place. Something. Yeah, yeah. Admiral Ak- Akbar. That's another Star Wars uh, line, so you won't get that. But <laughs> yeah, Admiral, whatever the hell his name is, that guy over there, uh, he's on SmackDown, right? Yeah. That guy doesn't seem like he can work for a shit. I don't think though that damn tag team. Who the hell were they? That were managed by Paul Ellering, that uh, Akam and Razor, or whatever the hell. Yeah, they're gone uh, already because they yeah, but, killed. Yeah, they couldn't work worth a shit, and they stuck around forever. And they didn't have necessarily the body this guy does, and they were huge. So it just seems like some of these guys that don't make it, even when they have the look, Vince will keep you around if you suck with that look. It's been proven for forty years. Uh, yeah, for, good point. For a period of time. I mean, once he, he eventually he gives up on you. Well, actually, first he gives up on you. Then he gives you a comedy routine for about two months to bury you. Then you're gone. That's been proven 20 times from the great Kali on down. But yeah, yeah, that's Kozlov uh, and all the big guys. It's true. You could you could probably name 20 others if you wanted to. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they do. They do still favor, I guess, the, the large size. It was kind of funny. I was listening to something at one time, and I think it was Kevin Owens talking about you know, he was Kevin Steen and champion everywhere, Ring yeah. of Honor, all that shit. Mm-hmm. So they get him. It was like him, Finn Bauer, Kenta, like all these major guys in other places. You know, and I get it. You, you know, they want to get you to learn their style and all that and humble you and retrain you and everything like that. Right, right. I think I'm not sure it was those three, but it was like three or four guys that you would know, like right. big names. Yeah. And they were having them do like tumble drills. And it's like, come on, man. 14, 15 year veterans that worked all around the world. Well, I know. I mean, look at all the guys when they used to just bring them in. They give them a tryout dark match. Some guys wouldn't even have to do that. And then they just came in. Do you think uh, Scott Hall was doing tumbles before they signed him for Razor Ramon? (laughs) You know what I mean? So. I don't know. No. I mean, it was a different time then. That's what I'm saying, though. But these guys came in and they got over. They They were already working prior to that. I mean, but I get the different style to a degree. But you're right. It's really, at the end of the day, about humbling them. And even if they work the WWE style, because if you go to these indie shows nowadays, these guys either know people or have been around enough, trained enough WWE themselves 
to where they're like, oh, they do this. They want it this way in WWE. They want it that way. So when you're walking in, you kind of already, and this has been going on for 15 years or more, uh, guys talking like this on the indies. So I'm thinking the higher up guys like a Kevin Steen or like a Finn Balor. And I know you said, you know, whoever, it could have been whoever, but I think they knew when they walked into NXT roughly what was expected of them. You know, I know, I'm sure they knew to face the hard camera and play the hard camera and do this and do that. So, they- yeah, I guess. Yeah. Dummy, yeah. Dummy, yeah. He's on, as we're taping, he's on tonight. He's on uh, with the Million Dollar Man and Cameron Grimes to see who will be the million talent or whatever. Um, I, I think I've counted three clean jobs he's done. Um, the biggest, in my opinion, the, the guy with the most potential in that whole NXT group to be a real money-drawing, gear-selling, or merchandise-selling, rather, factor. Right. Oh, do you remember that, uh, if I mentioned this before, forgive me, do you remember that Rock-failed experiment? He had a, a Face Your Fears TV show that aired on TBS. The Rock? Yeah. No, I don't remember that one. If you Google, it'll probably pop up, Rock Reality Show or something. Right. Um but one of the contestants was Eli Drake. So I know a lot of his gyrations and swagger, and I'm sure he talked to The Rock every chance he got. He was already a pro wrestler. Right. Uh, but, I'm, uh, you know, he does have a little rock to him and a few other, um, I don't know what word I was looking for, a few, a few other obvious influences. And, yeah, uh, there's your word, influences. And speaking of that, let me grab a sip of water. We'll let you do that. (sighs) Yo. You good? One more sip. So what's your take right now with him? Do you think they're doing what they should be doing with him? Or what would you do different right now? Because I haven't, I haven't been following it as closely as you, so I'm very curious. June the 8th, 2021, as of tonight, um, waiting to see what they do specifically tonight's match. Um, I think it's been maybe trying to humble him. Um, I don't know. He Last week, I believe, when he came in the ring, he mentioned something about somebody being cross-eyed. Now, it wasn't directed to Shawn Michaels, but maybe <laughs> maybe Shawn Michaels sees some cockiness that he didn't like about his old self in Eli, L.A., whatever you want to call him. And uh, maybe that's why he did a few jobs. I don't know. And maybe I'm reading into nothing because he wasn't talking about Shawn Michaels. He was saying you cross-eyed somebody in the front row. or I don't even know what he said, but. If you go back to last week's match, you could find it when he gets in the ring um, right. doing this promo. So tonight, I see, they, so I see they've been using DiBiase though, and uh, that that kind of intrigues me given the current situation of Mister DiBiase and his family. Uh, what am I missing? What's his situation? Uh, one of his sons, not not Ted Junior, the other one. What is it, Brett DiBiase? I think. I think I don't okay. think he has more than two sons. He was working something higher up in the state. 
of whatever fucking state they live they live in down there. And I, I don't think it's Nebraska, but it's you know somewhere down there. It's and not uh, Nebraska. I don't think so. But <laughs> um, he was, I don't know if the embezzling is the word, but there was a lot of millions of dollars missing that he was kind of giving away to himself and other charities or whatever you want to call them. And one of the charities was his father, Ted DiBiase, his church or his ministry, I should say, not his church. And, you know, it was all bullshit money. It was millions. So like wow. that's that's ongoing. That's that's been I think that was like a last year thing. So that's been ongoing for a while, and uh, I don't know that Ted's going to do any jail time for it. But it was we're talking millions. It, it came out how much money went to the different people that were. It was basically bullshit, and he kind of just funded them money. Here you go from the state. So hey, I, I stand with Brett. If you want to send a check to uh, WrestleCopia dot com, care of TR Shocks the World for I'll take it. We support you um, in, in your in your skimming off the top. Now maybe Ted's working to make money to pay it back, or so I don't know. But interesting note, I did not know that. Yeah, so uh, another ministry gone wrong, though. But yeah, going back to WrestleCopia.com, there is a donation button in the upper right hand corner. If any of you guys want to go there and donate for uh, for the cause for future episodes, future shows, as Tom would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, Put some loot into our shoot. <laughs> that was I off like the top it. of my head, as, there you, go. as you can tell, because it wasn't too crisp. But uh, <laughs> speaking of crisp, you know I like women. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see where this is going. Well, <laughs> at least most of the time. Um, there is a feature that I want to debut tonight. Oh, uh, yeah, I know where you're going now. You know, I I guess it could be bi-weekly, it could be weekly, it could be monthly, but since Ooh, it's bi, been a long time since you've had the physical conditioning to do your part and mm -hmm. my dopey job kept me out, we'll just do this for the month of May. And I, I will give mine, and we're going to call it the Sizzling Six. Maybe the next edition uh, we can maybe collaborate off air or maybe just spring them on each other on air it depends maybe maybe i shouldn't even be talking about this on air for um show prep but anyhow <laughs> for the month of may 2021 let me explain to the fans at home or as i should say our friends at home no no uh, that's uh, that's another guy's gimmick if, if i don't oh, want any, i don't right. want any cease and desist yeah that's true <laughs> I think I know that. But you are our friends. True. Um, so let's say the, the fans at home again. Um, the Sizzling Six is because I don't give a fuck about a five-star match. I really don't. It takes a lot to intrigue me in that way. I've always been an Angle guy. Not Kurt Angle, even though I like him. Uh, a a well-written uh, storyline Angle. The over-the-top characters, the Rowdy Roddy Pipers when I was you know young and... Mm -hmm. Superstar Billy Graham, the colorful ca uh, characters when I was really young, etc. And when we moved to the females, great. I just told you I like Serena D versus Rio. It, ca it caught my attention. But not as much as somebody's fucking smoking hot ass, Will. And I'm just being honest. I mean, if, well. if there's a fan base out there, uh, my friendly acquaintance Dave Prazak ran Shimmer all these years. I don't know how he stayed professional because he had everybody... 
come through there from Paige to fucking Asuka to you name them from all over the world. If they ended up looking pretty good and got to the WWE, they work Shimmer in Chicago. But let me get back to the Sizzling Six. Now, how this works, fans, is I'm not necessarily naming my six hottest women. I'm naming the six that stood out, whether it be how they wore their gear, how they carried themselves, how they wore their makeup or hair or whatever, that looked their particular personal best. So if I was your... doing a sizzling six, every week it would be repetitive. I would like Sasha Banks. Um, I honestly love three ways. I love four ways. Goddamn. Uh, Nyla Rose. Conte. Nyla Rose, of course, would be my <laughs> constant number one. That, that'd be the sizzling dicks. But we're not. We got nothing against that. I just don't want our beating up women. Because if she can, then I can. And we don't want to start that. <laughs> but it's the six women that look the best for them. Um, basically. Right. So it can change. It can change weekly. It can change monthly. It can change biweekly, whatever we decide. To do. So, um, I haven't, I, I mean, I put a few on Twitter, but you probably don't even remember. And I haven't revealed the full six. So coming in at number six. Now this is May, 2021. This is from May to May to June. May things to June. I observe, things yes. I observed coming in at number six, there were new tag team champions in the WWE in the women's division. Actually, believe it or not, Tamina could even be in, in consideration because she's never showed those big superfly jugs, but she's not. It's not her. It's her tag team partner who some feel is very hot. They love her Instagram with some say filters, some say no filters. Oh, there's fucking uh, filters on there, buddy. I believe so myself. I, I've never been uh, really attracted to this woman, but. She was outside the ring on a whatever show they were on, a SmackDown, I don't know, maybe a Raw. And it's the first time in all these years she had something really, really um, flattering to her giant fucking tits. Right. I never knew she had giant fucking tits. I knew well, she they've, had they've always plan. been there, but. Yeah, so, well, yeah. I mean, the, the, the little gear she wore with the, the pink and black and all that bodysuit type shit. That right. I thought she was a little chunky uh, Natalie, you know, but Natalia, TJ Wilson, I, I get it now. Those big fucking whoppers in your mouth all every night. I mean, <laughs> Natalia, congratulations. You're the first one mentioned in my uh, highly esteemed sizzling six for the month of May. All Great right. Tits, and that was... Natalie. That was- that was only six. Wow. Can't um, wait to hear the rest. Yeah, I mean, Natty gets in the top six. And uh, your father once smoked a joint with me in Sabu. And uh, he also broke my camera when I was 15. And Paul Polici, a friend of mine, claims he broke his camera. So he may have thrown two. Or Paul may be <laughs> you know, mistaken. But you know, I know mine was broken. That's one, You know, he got fired from the WWF like 40 times, right? You know, one of the times, I think it was when he was the New Foundation with Owen was throwing a monitor backstage and it hit, it hit a referee in the ankle. I forgot who and broke their ankle. And that was one of the times he, you know, was out of there. That was actually the last time he was there for a while because yeah, he was new foundation with Owen and kind of screwed Owen's push there. And Anvil was out the door and then they slid Coco in high energy. (laughs) And unfortunately the rest is history. Did I tell you that real quick before we jump to number five? Did I tell you yeah. that uh, indie show where I told my buddy Bob McFalls from SEPTA 
if he drove his minivan, uh, you know, and I wouldn't have to drive, I could get fucked up. I was booked as a manager and Sabu was on it. And I knew he and I were going to hang out. And then Neidhart jumped in with us. Did, uh, did any of this ring a bell? No, no, you've never told this one. Not, not to me anyway. So ECW, which Sabu didn't work for yet or did, but he was still being loyal to Dennis. It was right around that whatever year that was. Dennis put them up at the same hotel, that old travel lodge or some shit. Right. Anyway, we 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 hop in Bob McFall's, the nicest guy in the world, you know, but he was just like, it's my wife's car. It's brand new. Just please. And, you know, the boys are the boys. As soon as they jumped in, they fucking fired up weed. And by the time we got to Philly, it looked like Cheech and Chong. And I was like, you know, I didn't stop them. I was just looking at Bob and Bob was no selling. But Bob had this like shit eating grin. He just felt so good that he had Sabu. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Jim the Anvil Meidhart in his fucking car. Right. That I got there and I, I, I kinda double checked. I'm like, dude, sorry, is there anything, you know? And he's like, No, this is the greatest night of my life. So anyway. Yeah, I uh I spent I spent one night out uh with Neidhart myself. No big story to tell. He wore a, a racing jacket that was about three sizes too small for him though. And he yeah, kept he it kept boy. it zipped up too. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we just sat. We were at the bar, just sat and drank and ate for most of the night. Really, just hung out. So, not much that to tell crazy. there, but he was pretty nice cool guy dude. then, right? Yeah, he was all right. No problem with me. Really nice guy tonight. In when I was in that different role, probably chilled out because he wasn't on the road three hundred and so some odd days. Wasn't snorting coke, you know, in the bathroom to keep going and right. voided up. He was an older gentleman by this point. Probably mature, but a very nice guy. When I told him the story about the phone, he offered me a $100 bill in the car, which I thought was great. I, I didn't take it, of course. It was an old Kodak camera. It sounds like a Brad Paisley line. But anyway, uh, <laughs> about three people will get that in the world. Um, who needs pictures with a memory like mine is the title. Uh, anyway, we were on a sizzling six. We were talking Number about five. <laughs> Number five. We'll move my, we'll get me going. Number five is a surprise that I did not even know existed. <laughs> now, now that the new uh, the 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 ratings are skyrocketing for this uh, dark side of the moon, whatever the fuck, on Vice. Please don't tell trying... me to say Rock and Robin. No, no. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, she, uh, you know, she she aged okay, all things considered, I guess, but she's right. not in a sizzling six. Not even 30 years ago. Yeah, I, I agree. But uh, <laughs> Major League Wrestling is about a year behind, I believe. I think it could be pre-pandemic tapes that they're running right now to catch you up or whatever. They've been on for two weeks as far as I know, maybe more, but two that I'm aware of. And this interviewer chick, Alicia Attal, are you familiar with her? I am not. Uh, Let me Google I don't her on know my phone she's, I don't know if she's hot or not. But she's she's number five on the sizzling six because she was interviewing both Davy Boy Smith Jr. and then separately Brian Pillman Jr. And as they were speaking, she was looking at their faces, and all I heard was like a porn soundtrack, like I want to suck your fucking dick. Hello, ladies. Like, I read her eyes that that's what she was saying in her mind. And for that, unless she just has a look about her that she just wants, she, she looks DTF, as that uh, old Jersey Shore saying would say. She looks ready to go in those well, segments. I've never watched her uh, 
do an interview. But if you go to MLW.com and look up her profile, that's certainly the impression they're giving you with the profile picture anyway. Oh, she looks like a little uh, frisky. Yeah, she's got that face going on. Nice. So she's my number five. That, Like I said, it's like a year old. I don't know if that's the current uh, Alicia Tout demeanor, but certainly looked like she wanted a piece of uh, the offsprings <laughs> of Davy Boy and Flying Brian. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Well, hey, man. Good genes, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah! Yeah. Anyway, we skip on to number four. This was completely because of self-confidence. Uh, it's self-confidence that I wish I had. Self-confidence, I, I believe it's just something you either have or you don't. I mean, when you work hard and you hit the gym and all that, things can improve to a degree. But you just got to have it. I didn't even really pay attention to what she was wearing. But when Britt Baker came out pre-title victory and just basically told the world that she was going to win the title, and I know what she looks like. I think she had, like, black um, stretchy pants on. Mm -hmm. I didn't even really have to look at the screen. She's sizzling. She got number four, Dr. Britt Baker, D-M-D. And I, I won't argue that at all. In fact, I, I'd simmer her at six. I don't think she'd ever necessarily leave the list. So even if it was a bad week, I think she would simmer it at six for me. So, <laughs> Well, hopefully there'll be more girls because we can't have the same six all the time. And she's, uh, she's up there in my likes as well. So number three, this may be a surprise um, to some, but not really those who know me. Because uh, once in a while I like vanilla and once in a while I like chocolate. And this particular month of May to June, uh, some TV time with the uh, Nightmare students or Cody's, whatever the fuck is whose, uh, QT Marshall and Cody, I don't know which one's the Nightmare Factory and the Rhodes Boy fucking whatever. But one, Brandy's replacement one, Red Velvet, uh, real life fiance or something of Wes Briscoe, who... Please, nobody give me his address, because if he's as tough as his father and his uncle, I am fucked. But <laughs> Red Velvet has pretty white teeth, pretty eyes. I love the, the black girl, straight black hair. That's the style that really does it for me. She's got cute little boobies under there. She's got a nice ass. She is smoking. And between May and June, boy, Red Velvet, you helped me a lot. You helped me through a lot of tough times. So you get my number three in the original Sizzling Six. Yeah, I can't uh, comment very much. I haven't watched enough of uh, any of the shit in the last month or so to really know where some of these guy ladies uh, may belong. So I'm glad you did. Yeah, I mean, uh, number two is a uh, may come off as a surprise, too. And uh, kind of a f funny story, which I shouldn't tell because I'll be mentioning somebody in my personal life. But uh I always get a kick out of people misinterpreting things that I write or whatever. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll explain that after I reveal number two. Number two is interviewer extraordinaire, very tiny little girl, Kayla Braxton. Never really intrigued me before. She, I don't know her family dynamic, but she had said somewhere in that month that she's the only non-white member of her family. 
I believe she's 50-50 as far as African-American and Caucasian. I could be wrong. But she had also mentioned later in Talking Smack, I watch here and there, and SmackDown, I'll watch her. You know, I, I don't know where I saw it, but bam, Kayla looked hot as shit. And she had mentioned on Twitter, or one of them, that she had been tanning. So I, I had put that on Twitter as a little teaser that she was uh, caught my eye. And, of course, my on-again, off-again, for now, finally, I believe, ex-girlfriend, read that comment and said, What are you, fucking stupid? She wasn't tan and she's black. Um, no, <laughs> she's either light-skinned black or half black. And she became more olive, is that the right color? What's it's between, whatever the fuck it is. She just looked hot with a tan. So shut the fuck up, and read what I write, and just <laughs> shut up. You know, I I was waiting for her to get future endeavored yesterday. She uh just just because of the way the company is. She made a she made a post yesterday morning. It had to be like at nine AM. It was a picture of her on a balcony in some high rise over a pool. Oh, I saw the picture. I saw that. Yeah, what and she wrote thirty, flirty, and hung over as fuck. Yeah. And I go, yeah, Wow, yeah. man. I, and I'm thinking like, is she gone from the company? Because that's usually not how the people at the company work, especially the the people outside of the ring, the wrestlers and things, like the interviewers, yeah, like the a, announcers and stuff. That's like a Tom Phillips fucking deal, you know, something he regretted writing or whatever. But. Well, um, Kayla see. gets my number two in the month of May. So, Kayla, you know, I also appreciate that she announced on one of her social media accounts her bisexuality. And yeah, she's I comfortable. I, I think I remember reading something about that, too. Listen, I'll sit back and watch. Doesn't matter to me. Just keep tanning. Like, Paul does talking smack with her. And Paul's obviously, I, I hate saying anything bad about Paul, but let's just say he's not uh, in the greatest physical shape he's ever been in. Right. And I can tell just from his personality that she gets a kick out of him. Um, so she may be the, the type that goes for personality. I'm sure she likes a, a, a Channing Tatum-looking motherfucker as well, but... Well, I mean, yeah. look at her and look at the situation she's in. She can take her pick a personality one day and whatever the hell she's looking for the next yeah. day. So you got that shop right. around. And now we reach the number one, the hottest, the sexiest, the most delicious. There you between go. Between May 1st and June 1st of 2021 in the wrestling business that I've seen on television. Drum roll. Sexiest. Carmella. Wow. That wasn't much of a shock based on some of the tweets and things I get uh, from you. Uh, for those at home, they might. Uh, what drew you to her this particular month? Was it an outfit? Was it something she did uh, storyline-wise that she really owned? It's a it's a combination. Last Friday night, she came out and said, like, her, basically her gimmick is, I am the hottest. This is after the deadline, by the way, so she might creep into the June batch. But she basically said, I am the hottest woman in the world or in wrestling or, or in sports entertainment. I don't know. I think she said the world, though. Corey Graves, her boyfriend, is on another. Whatever show she's on, he's on the other. And these little pieces of things stick out in my fucked up brain. And I remember it was like a total divas type show, even though I don't think that's been around. Maybe they were on the Bellas for a second. Some reality, Miz and Mrs. I don't fucking know. But 
she said, and I quote, and they let this go on the air on, on E Entertainment or USA, whichever show it was on. Uh-huh. Oh, I can't wait to see your beautiful cock again. Suck him and chuck him, Don. If- now, a filthy pig with that kind of mouth, and I say oh. pig in a nice way, um, <laughs> in a flattering way, I should say, who looks that goddamn good and is willing to get our boobs even bigger when boob jobs are kind of out now in 2021. It's more ass-oriented. She got her boobs even bigger. She's been tanning more. She's wearing skimpier outfits, and her gimmick is to be hot, so keep tanning. Keep doing whatever you're doing. If Corey Graves is fucking coming on your back, keep it up. Whatever you're doing, you are the hottest chick in professional wrestling between May and June. Carmella, congratulations. And I'm going to continue to prove that Mella is money. Awesome. Can't wait to uh, join you on the uh, next edition of the Sizzling Six. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to have to pay a little closer now, Ray, attention. Yeah. Just... Just for the record, mm-hmm. there are girls like Kira Hogan from Impact, uh, Scarlett from NXT, who's with Karrion Cross, Scarlett Johansson. Um, <laughs> she, uh, Scarlett, on a side note, I like because she gives, I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but she, when Cross says something like he's going to smash somebody's face or something happens in the ring, she gives these little vibes like she's having, like, she, like she's getting wet. And, I think that's a subtle, you know, sex thing that she may have came up with. Somebody might have suggested, but motherfucker, it works for me. Watch her at ringside or watch her while he's doing his promo. Well, I'll um, say this. If somebody suggested it, you still have to be able to pull it off and know what you're doing. So that, absolutely. That, take, that takes real talent. Absolutely. So she's, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if we were just doing the hottest six, those girls would be in it for me. Ty Conti. Is that her ring name or is that her uh, social media name? The Brazilian Conti? girl with the oh, great Conti. butt. Okay. Yes. Like, girls like that would be always in the sizzling six if I was just going by the six hottest chicks that I like. But I'm going by the six who look their personal best to me, and those six are the ones that I went through. So we will collaborate on this um, in the future, and it will be a regular feature here, and hopefully a very popular feature. Yeah. Can't wait for you to, <laughs> to elaborate episode to episode. On your uh, sizzling six and as to why. I don't know that I'm going to be nearly as entertaining as you with my reasoning, but I'll definitely be on the lookout. Yeah, there was some uh, some hot broads uh, between May and June. They're still, you know, they're still around. Unfortunately, and, uh, I was I was down for for a little bit there in May, and then <laughs> then I recovered. So I kind of I'll tell you real quick. I told you this off off the show, but I think I did. I turned it on raw the Monday night, the la- the Monday before I got out of the hospital. And I, I was waiting for, re- there was no wrestling on over the weekend, you know, Saturday, Sunday. And I was waiting for something to watch. And I turned it on. Oh, well, wrestling okay, it was my savior growing up. Couldn't wait to turn it on wrestling whenever right. it came on. And there was plenty of it, you know, back in that, in those days, but I turned it on raw. And the first segment was a, this would have been May the third, I guess. Uh, was a Lashley and Drew McIntyre backstage back and forth promo, and it was so scripted and so terrible. Here I was waiting days to watch wrestling, and I turned it off within three minutes. Wait a minute! Did I just hear myself say three minutes? 
of turning on Raw, and I never turned it back on Raw. Like, it made me so physically sick on top of how I already felt that, I'm like, like, oh my god, this is what I waited for. And it just, was just, it was bad. It was bad just TV. A little, just a little FYI, um, not that you need to know, um, but you, you just mentioned the date of that, and that was May what? The 3rd, I believe. May the 3rd. The next pay-per-view main event, guess who? Guess who's main eventing? They're still going at it. Drew McIntyre and fucking Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I remember it seemed like, I don't know, I don't know what year it was, uh, you know, 2010, 11, one of those in the 2000s. Sheamus and Wade Barrett seem to be on Raw every other week for s- six years. It's becoming that with Lashley and, and McIntyre. It's like enough already. I feel like they don't care right now until they go back live in July. So they're just going to keep throwing the same shit on the TV screen until, you know, they, and then we'll change it up, pal. <laughs> once well, once I, we get to the money in the bank you know, or whatever. People are, are intimating that this uh, Nick Khan is the guy that finally cracked the code to get kind of inside Vince. Um, Very weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't know what the hell is going on, but he's, uh, you know, people are losing their jobs when financially they don't need that to happen. They're definitely streamlining, man. Definitely streamlining. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild stuff. It's, it's really interesting. A guy who, I mean, I, you know, he's a businessman. I'm not going to argue that. This, this Nick Khan guy, I don't know anything about him, really. But he's not a wrestling guy. But yet he went to Vince and told him which guys, you know, supposedly went to Vince and said, these contracts, they're paying them too much. They're not worth it. And it's kind of interesting that this guy would know wrestling-wise who's worth it and who's who's not worth it. Now, some of them I get, like Lana, I can't remember what she was making, but it was it was ridiculous for 2021 Lana. Maybe not at the peak, you know, before, you know, she screwed herself going online and ruining angles and shit on yeah. social media and stuff. But, like, that, that she should have been cut a long time ago. I, nothing to do with, with money. I mean, obviously, Rusev, Miro, whatever's over in AEW anyway, it felt like they were just keeping her for the hell of it because she wasn't, she's not really over anymore. And the gimmicks they do with her aren't whatever. But when I went back and rewatched some of that ladies match from WrestleMania, it was extremely embarrassing when she was in the ring. Like th- those girls only got like three minutes and it was a tag team gauntlet match. So they only got like three minutes with two girls. So it was like Naomi and Lana. And Lana gets in the ring, and she either screwed up every spot or everything she did looked absolutely fake. And I'm like, I know you guys rehearsed this like 80 times, and you've been here for how many, however many years now. And she was, you know, bragging she was training with with Tyson Kidd. And I'm like, I don't think he wants you announcing that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was embarrassing. I so to see her go, I'm not sad. I hope she can reinvent herself and get herself over again. But I don't know that, you know, that's her calling because she like she's not like the Eva Marie who left and now she's back and whatever, because whatever she else she went and did didn't really work. So here she is again. But I don't know, man. It's just like she's going to succeed with with Miro if they stick her with him now that he's starting to uh, come around. They're doing now with him what they should have done with him when he first came in. Exactly. So hopefully that that works. But, um, you know, she's gone. Once, once I got past that initial shock factor, like Braun Strowman, what the fuck? Like once you get past the initial shock factor and you realize they were paying him seven figures a year, then you're like, oh, I guess I get it. Like if you, but I mean, if you're just going to start cutting people, it just seemed odd. 
Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I had referred to him as the uh, no way Jose guy. I guess there's a little correction I should make or amendment. He was actually what uh, Adam Rosebud. I think yeah. that was his deal, and not the Congo guy. But nonetheless, same gimmick, he made, different he made guy. A little career for himself, made seven figures. Allegedly, might have might have got a piece of Alexa Bliss at one point or another. Hit Camille Brickhouse, I I, I believe. So. uh Good little run for a big old strong boy. Jinder Mahal shared a story somewhere that they hit a deer on the side of the road and the deer didn't die. So Braun uh, abruptly said, I got to go kick his head in. I don't want him to feel any more pain. <laughs> so I don't know what that has to do, but I, these little things stick in my brain. So uh, if you call him a humanitarian for kicking the deer's head in, quote unquote, then so to, so be it. Um I'm not Maybe he was the one that killed Alexa Bliss's pig, then. Ah, the mystery continues. Uh, what, uh, somebody told me to name it, that damn pig. Uh, it was uh, like two names. Yeah, f- I don't know. Fuck our pig. Um, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> now, Braun, Braun uh, you know, a lot of these guys that are gone, uh, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know where. You have to say one thing. When Vince was offering guys who weren't worth a shit, or at least certainly weren't worth the amount of money he was offering, basically double whatever their contracts were when AEW was starting up, clearly that's not an issue anymore. They're not worried. They see what AEW is, and for better or worse, Vince, at the very least, isn't concerned with letting whomever go. Remember back in the day when something would start up? That's the only reason Jerry Lawler got re-signed, right? He kept trying to re-sign Jim Ross to shit whenever something would come up. Oh, well, it felt like, you know, maybe Jim's Jim Ross's contract ran out for like three months. All of a sudden, Jim would get another contract when something came along that vaguely may have interested Ross and somebody could actually pay him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't care anymore. You can have Jim Ross. You can have Christian. You can have Big Show. You can have Mark Henry. He would have never have done that back in the day. And now yeah. it's just like, I don't really care. You can have him because you really don't know what to do with him. Yeah, you I know, think this- it, Nick Khan's got him under some kind of spell. Something's well, the problem going. is they keep hiring all these guys, and I'm not saying that as a negative to some of the guys that they're hiring. It's the guys that they already have. They have too many guys under contract in AEW. <laughs> I, agree <laughs> to, with, to I agree with that. I and I get that, that they have like 87 shows now, like almost every day of the week, or, or they will pretty soon anyway. But if I'm only watching the main show, if you train me to believe that this is your main show, I don't even know these other guys that, you know, or if they're, if they're putting everybody on a rotation to make sure everybody gets on dynamite and I only see this guy every third week on dynamite, he's not really getting over with. I, I can't dedicate myself to watch every episode every week of every AEW show. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of dangerous to have this many guys under contract. And they really don't know what they're doing with a lot of them. It, it appears. Which and it's fun- not so much stop hiring people. To me, it's you need to start cutting the fat. And cutting weights on shit that you hired when you started up that is didn't work or that, yeah. should have never been hired to begin with, like your buddies, like a Joey Janela or something along those lines, or a Marco Stunt, or guys like that. What's What's weird is besides the guys he has on under contract, guys and Garrel, uh, guys and gals, he has a lot of people that just he puts on dynamite that are on a handshake deal. Whoever the fuck I'm thinking of, somebody recently was on a handshake deal. Oh, uh, Leo Rush uh, puts him on a pay per view on a handshake deal. Um, 
there's a lot of like I believe Thunder Rosa, unless they're working, everybody is not signed. She's not a signed talent for AEW. I mean, he puts a lot of a lot of these people in big spots on live national television or pay per views without them being contracted talents. A lot of a lot of. I mean, he he seems like a nice person with billions of dollars. That's a bad combination around professional wrestling. Yeah, and he might understand business aspects of things, but he's still clearly a market heart to a degree, um, wanting to be too involved with the product itself rather than kind of stepping back and letting letting somebody that can book book. And I know I know Demels is always out there defending that shit. Oh well, this is the highest rated pay per view buy rate besides WWE in twenty years or whatever. Well, how many fucking companies have ran paper? Well, TNA. Impact, whatever, but outside, like, how many other companies have ran pay-per-views in the last 20 years, Dave, besides the WWE? That's my question. So Yeah, there's there's not a ton of competition. And but. I'm not trying to shit on AEW. they got a lot of good talent there. There are some good matches, but booking a bunch of cool matches is not booking, in, in, in my estimation, anyway, it's not. Well, the first, all I know is after eight years, the first four matches, including the pre-show, were the greatest of all time. Yes, that was the greatest pay-per-view in the history of pay-per-view. You sound like Tony Schiavone that night. Yeah, um, and then I woke up the next day. Speaking but, of uh, Tony, I wonder if Tony or Jim are going to be on the uh, the outs as, uh, on the announce team now that Tom Phillips is looking for a job. I feel like they're going to plug a uh, more suitable guy in there and maybe turn one of them into something else. Maybe Tony just an interviewer, or I don't know if they can get JR to agree just to be a consultant of sorts. Fuck but, Tom Phillips. Tom Robinson's looking for a job. There you go. I can handle that fucking microphone for Christ's sake. Anyway, um, uh, I'm open to you know admitting it. If if those guys gave me money to be on TV and do something, I would do it in a heartbeat. I'm not like one of those guys. Uh, what do you call it? Like if they're on something, they're they're um, searching for a job. If they're whatever, but I, I can criticize them. Like uh, there's. There's some things that I don't like, and if you're what what show was the Nyla Rose rant? <laughs> I don't know uh, the first one, the second one, three. Um, <laughs> it was early on. Back, if you want to go back <laughs> to the archives, uh, you know I do like AEW. I watch their pay per views. I support them. I hope they're hope they're well. And I would I wouldn't be an idiot and and not go manage or do commentary for them. Not that I'm being considered or anything, but. But yeah, I'm 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 no longer going to protect any anybody or anything because it's getting out of hand when he puts sunglasses on to uh, to do a promo on Nick Khan. You know what I mean? That's that's literally I've di- I did that with Paul Heyman when I was like uh, 17, 16, 17. I mean, if you put sunglasses on, you're so not a pro wrestling personality. You know, he, he should know better. He should just, if he's going to go there and talk real business, just fucking just shoot, you know, fuck the, the gimmick con, just, just do it. Anyway, I don't know where the fuck I was going there, but I was <laughs> trying, trying not to come across as, as like Dave, who comes across like he's on the, on the pay roll of that company. Right. Uh, you know, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know Dave personally, so I, you know, uh, haven't any, had any actual interactions with him. Or conversations with him, uh, but from you know studying his uh, everything he's done forever, it's just really interesting. I and I get he, he tries to point out how he's not on the payroll because he said 
something wasn't, you know, the way it should have been or, or something like that every once in a while on an AEW show, it does come, you know, does come across that way. And yeah, Dave, he really likes AEW and then he goes and turns around and shits all over WWE for good reason. But I just see a lot of issues in AEW and he defends it like this is the way this is the way wrestling is now. Says who, Dave? Says you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, AEW, you know, the 20 the, the somethings that are flipping around on AEW or 30. Well, young bucks aren't necessarily young anymore, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I hear you. I haven't spoken to Dave in quite some time, years. So it's not, it's just weird with wrestling. And you know, if, if you hung out with Nyhart and other people, you've yet to tell me your Tommy Rich story. Oh, yeah. But you know, you know wrestling. Um, if somebody's a friend of yours, usually it's a lifelong thing where you run into them 10 years later and you pick up right where you left off. So, so I guess I still consider him a friend. I'm not in contact with him, but I always defend pre internet. I mean, he, he got a lot of people jobs for basically from the core of us that he trusted reporting to him. Holy shit. This guy, even on the cactus Jack slash Mick Foley, you know, right. Autobiography, biography, whatever you want to call it. He, he freely admitted that Eric Embry or somebody was, was in the dressing room with a K Fabe sheet and meaning the observer. And he said, you're in it. And, Cactus perked up and word of mouth back then. I remember Dennis used to read, Dennis Carluzzo used to read The Observer and see, uh, Jerry Lynn versus Sean Waltman at Friedley's in Minnesota was excellent. And it was, you know, from people he trusted. He'd get a hold of him, fly him in, get him a payday. Then word would get out that they killed on Dennis's show. Sabu the same way, Benoit, you name it. I mean, between Paul dangerously, uh, Eddie Gilbert and Dennis Carluzzo, the fucking WCW's cruiserweight division basically was built by the Observer, one step at a time. So, you know, I, I can never take that away from him. And he had legitimate sources like the Terry Funks and the uh, Bruiser Brodies, and he had people in the Howard Finkel was his main guy in the WWE forever. Right. He had legitimate sources in every territory there was. So, I mean... When the Ryan Satins and the Mike Johnsons and the Dave Shears and the whoever the fuck else, somebody's ringing my phone on the back, by the way. There's nothing I can do about that. Um, but when all these uh, reporters bash him, I, I can I, I get it, his personality-wise, the way he you know, kind of comes off really strange sometimes, for lack of a better word, on Twitter. But there's a good heart and soul under there. He's just, I guess, a little OCD or... I, I don't know how to best explain what have he you, is. Have you seen his uh, his room? He's definitely not the, that kind of OCD. Yeah, the office is a little <laughs> messy. I, I guess OCD is not the right adjective. I don't know what he's got going on, but it's nothing new. It's just a higher volume because right. his Observer Reader's page, you can go back to any copy, and I doubt there was a full Reader's page where he didn't comment on the back end in bold print with DM, meaning Dave Meltzer, and his opinion of how you were wrong. So it's not new behavior. It's just the way he's always been. It's just on a larger scale. So Let me ask you this. You were a, well, quote-unquote back in the day, a smart mark and, and sort of not in the business, but you drove guys around. You kind of knew a little more than the average, certainly more than the average fan and things, and you you got the Observer. Did you start getting the Observer basically at, at its inception? When did, when did you start grabbing the Observer, picking up the Observer? No, I wasn't that early. Um, I actually don't know when it started. 
uh, I know would have been like people, the late eighties or no, it was even, it was even earlier. Um, okay. cause I know some people that got it in like 84 and I didn't, I definitely didn't have it then, but I was, uh, meeting people at hotels and understanding that it was a work and everything else scratching and clawing, trying to figure a way to get my pimply faced 110 pound body involved in it. And I believe I got the observer probably like 85 or 86. Okay. See, I was a late bloomer as far as even knowing what the observer was. I was very naive to them being, there being a sheet like that dirt sheet out there like that. Um, until 1995, I was 15, 16 at the time standing in line at an indie show and the guy behind me, I wasn't really paying attention that he was reading the paper, which wound up being an observer. I was just more interested in the things he was saying out loud. Like um, Rocky Johnson's son is getting a tryout with the company. Go- At this point, the Goldust vignette started airing. And I don't mean the ones where he's actually cutting promos. It's just where you would hear the Fink say, from Hollywood, California, Goldust. And it was like just, it said Goldust and glitter and it blew away off the screen. So at that point, you didn't see the character. Uh, obviously, as soon as I saw it, I go, oh, that's Dustin. But he's like reading, he's standing in line behind me. Gold dust is Dustin Rhodes. And I'm like, how the f-? so I turned around and go, how the fuck do you know this shit? And he's like, oh, this. And he kind of gave me the paper for a second. Let me look at it and shit. And that's how I realized the observer existed. So, but uh, it was just, it's kind of funny. It's like, I could have been knowing this shit all along. Of course, the internet, you know, I, I was able to access all the information on the internet, but like 96 all the time anyway. But it was, yeah. it was kind of cool to be able to grab it way back then. When he but, handed it to you at that age, did, did he was he seven foot and asked you to drive with him or? No, 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 okay. <laughs> just some uh, uh, half toothless, uh, wasn't toothless, but you know, just uh, one of those kind of guys. And, I'm just <laughs> but somehow, to... somehow he knew what an observer was and I didn't. So what do, what do I know? Gotcha. <laughs> so you, yeah. it was very, it was kind of funny though. You pointed something out, and I kind of say this in the back of my mind when you first started talking about the observers and how Dave kind of helped a lot of the guys get over with, you know, book, getting booked and basically getting jobs to a, to a degree. Since you were hardcore into like the observer and you already knew what was going on and things, did you collect after mags at all by that point? Or was it too uh, um, kayfabe it, for you? No, I thought I was cool that I didn't have to anymore okay. for the most part. I would get like the special ones. I don't know. I don't even remember what the fuck the special ones were, but I just threw them all out. Like when we first started doing the show, when I was uh collecting all my stuff from my old house that was heartbreaking i don't know if i went went on on the air with this or not but i know i told you i got rid of them before you got sick yeah man i had i had a couple that weren't back issues that i legit had from 1973 man i mean they were like yellow and crusty but (laughs) i was born in 69 and my parents always told me that I was rambunctious, as they say, rambunctious. I don't know how you say that word. Right, that's right. But when they would put pro wrestling on television, I would sit and watch it and be kind of okay for an hour. That's uh, which is kind of ironic. (laughs) (laughs) The guys are wrestling, and then then you're you're calm. Yeah, weird. But I I guess maybe my dad picked up on that and grabbed me a couple magazines just to calm me down or whatever. Um, Right. And uh, then I actually started getting them in the, in the late 70s and all through the 80s. And that was a big thrill, too. To I'll tell you what was Mel Phillips. Uh, I, I shouldn't say that uh, I should, <laughs> you know, to turn the story around and say uh, as a young boy, Mel Phillips. No, um, 
But as a young uh, attendee of the Philadelphia Spectrum, the greatest part of the show, it's because we're all the same observer heads or even, like you said, internet people in 96 that were just searching for more information. It was so great in the beginning to get more information. And uh, the show would be going on and it was more like looking ahead than actually enjoying the present because after like the fifth or sixth match, Mel Phillips would come out at the spectrum and tell you who was on the next show and making his first appearance in this arena would be, you know, and you'd hear, I don't know, Dick Murdoch and, you know, you'd fucking pop like crazy if you were in the nose, sort of speak, so to speak from the magazines, just seeing a, you know, a Dick Murdoch who's gigging in fucking, I don't know, Terry Funk's territory or whatever. Probably. I got my timelines fucked up, but you know what I'm saying. Right. And uh, it, it was like the highlight of every show. To, oh, I can't wait. That means he's coming in and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But I went on too long. The sizzling six got me uh, feeling like a young man. Now I feel like an old fart. <laughs> yeah, I was just curious. Like, uh, I, you know, I figured, like, I stopped getting after Meg's religiously probably after 92. But I would get like the special ones, the PWI 500s for the next next couple of years anyway. After that, and maybe like the the first couple almanacs that came out and things in the mid 90s. But I, I kind of fell off the uh, after mag bandwagon after around 92, maybe somewhere in 93. Uh, basically, when business started taking taking a dive, I, I lost interest. But those were an important part of getting some of the guys over, at least with the you know fans that didn't attend things. Because it was funny when you said how Dave did that. That's what made me think of the after mags. I was talking about that on the wrestling grenade show when, when we were talking starting to talk about the WWF in 93. And one of the guys uh, in the company who basically sucked a, sucked a giant fat one was a guy by the name of Damian Demento. Yeah. And, yeah. I remember, but that. it's like, I was telling Steve on that show for about two years prior to getting hired by Vince in late 92, 91, 92, maybe even part of 90. I don't really remember when he really popped up, but he did that Mondo clean gimmick. Same exact, same exact look, same gear. Right. But he was like, you couldn't get an after mag without a big giant picture. And I don't know if he was paying for it or not based on some of the things you hear, but he was in every damn after mag. And so by the time you saw him, you go, that's Mondo clean. And I never seen yeah. him work. Then you see him work. You go, oh, he's fucking terrible, which is why he yeah. didn't last very long with the company. Yeah. But they did that with public enemy and they did that with Sabu and guys, you know, other things that got much further over than, than Damien Demento did. So it's funny how it works for the marks. In the, in the mags, you know, looking at pictures of guys who were cosmetically appealing just based on the crazy, you know, look and all that other shit. Yeah, and then yeah. Dave doing it with the, the well, smart marks of the time or whatever you want to call them from, from that era. So it's kind of funny how it works both ends. So I thought that was yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we were in 87-ish or something in Memphis, and it was Brian Trammell, uh, myself. Brian's from down there, Jonesboro, Arkansas. Myself, Jamie Ward, a few others. On a trip, I think De- Dennis was there, and uh, you know we all popped for uh, Jeff Jarrett and Billy Travis against Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond, and it was like we didn't conjure it up. We all were just felt it was incredible uh, chemistry between the two tag teams, and and just stole the show every show that they were on while we were down there, and you know we all had a connection to Meltzer. Next thing you know, they're in a AWA and they're in a WWE as far as Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond go. Right. I mean, 
Jeff eventually made his way. Billy Travis was too much trouble. You got arrested on TV for Christ's sake. But I mean, what a great story that that. was. (laughs) Yeah. It gets arrested on live TV. Um, (laughs) To show you the pull, you know, that the Jerry Jarrett and them had, they waited until the cops waited until the cameras came back on from commercial break to arrest them so they could (laughs) make it part of the angle. Because only in in wrestling and definitely only in Memphis. Yeah, for sure. Um, Back to Bill Apter. um, Yeah. I don't know where the video would be, but he was kind of hyping the Nigerian nightmares who were kind of like Kamala, kind of like the headhunters, but a little less uh, tall and a little, I don't know how tall the headhunters were, but just an indie version of those type of guys. And uh, one of them, God, Aaron, Aaron Ganey, I believe his name was. He actually was a big uh, podcast fan and, we became friends, and then the son of a bitch, he dropped 200 pounds for his health, and after the fact, he passed away anyway oh, um, wow. at, at a very young age. But back to the point, they were doing some crazy gimmick where he was pulling them through the hallway of the of the convention hotel, and I, I legit had to piss, and after, like, stopped the tape, and he's like, hey, you want to go into the men's room? I know who you are, blah, 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 blah. So I'm in some video acting scared of the Nigerian nightmares with my with my bird out in a urinal um, <laughs> somewhere. Uh, if you Google Bill After, you'll probably find my ass. And uh, then another strange uh, Bill After run in was I was a big 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, I'd say all the 90s, maybe early 2000 country music guy. Uh, I'm kind of a eclectic cat. I, I jump from thing to thing to thing. But I go to Glenside, uh, the, forget the name of the damn building, but it's Glenside, Pennsylvania. Um, they have a, maybe a 4,000, 5,000 seat venue there. The name's fairly famous and it's, it's, it just escapes me. But for a Diamond Rio concert. And, uh, I just heard a familiar voice in back of me in the line while I was getting a beer. I don't know if he was getting a beer, but I was like, turn around. I said, Holy shit, Bill Apter. What the hell are you doing at Diamond Rio? <laughs> I love Diamond Rio. Well, that was a pretty good Bill Apter. I've never heard anybody uh, do a Bill Apter before. I could probably do his voice better, but I haven't heard him talk in a long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, we ran into each other at a Diamond Rio. We're, I'm tight with Bill Apter. I, you know, that's, that's a lie, but I'm cool with Bill Apter. I'm, I'm on a how you doing when I see him. He knows that, uh, I've been around the block and, not on the phone with him every night. Not trying to buy his uh, Andy Kaufman neck brace on A and E or nothing, but we're cool. Free of charge. Yeah, yeah. Holy smokes! The Philadelphia 76ers are up twenty on Atlanta. Wow. Where are they at in the game right now? Pretty late. Six minutes left. Oh, there you go. I didn't expect that. A lot of people predicted that, but I didn't expect. Anyhow, so, well, before uh, we get off here, because I know we're closing in on the two-hour mark fairly soon. If you got things to talk about, hey, I'm here. But I definitely wanted to touch on the uh, the old uh, Dark Side of the Ring Grizzly Smith episode. Got to do that before we get Why did here. you say touch? Come on, then. <laughs> uh, Freudian so slip, man. I make I make jokes. Of course, it's not a joking subject, but... Nah, it's fuck? pretty fucked up, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing is, you always heard stories from Jake, but everybody that knew Jake, to this day, even when he's clean, I mean, you, you know, the old, you know, he's lying when his lips are moving deal, you know? Right. Um, so 
it's hard to have a respected figure office guy and his father when a guy who's smoking crack is a legend, all these things. But when it's corroborated by a 52-time DUI guy, it's still a little hard and a little stretch. But I think Rock and Robin kind of confirmed that where there was smoke, there was fire. And uh, it's just, just like you said earlier, only in wrestling. Like, such a strange culture, especially back then. It was like you see somebody on TV, but they're really not celebrities. They were just gypsies back then. I mean, you're a father of many. I'm a father of one, and I, I wouldn't let anyone drive my daughter around when she was whatever they were saying, eight or nine or something. Nine, yeah, that last story, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, but... Uh... I I don't really have anything to say. I, I like I said, I make jokes just to deflect from being angry or being you know whatever. But right. uh, I guess I guess in this case, you know, you gotta apologize to Jake and kind of sympathize, not forgive everything he ever did uh, to himself and others, but at least have an understanding that he's uh, got reasons for some of his actions. Yeah, I mean, I remember him telling a very, very short part of that story way back in Beyond the Mat. I mean, I bought it in that, and I, I believe me, I know all about Jake, so I, I don't necessarily believe everything that comes out of his mouth, but it just seemed like, well, if he said this and it wasn't true, it'd be all over the internet by now, because people would at least know if this was true or not. So that little yeah. bit that he told there with the, uh, was it Robin's mom that was 13, or was it Jake's mom that was 13? I can't remember now, but I think, I think it was Jake's. Robin. Was it Jake's? Jake's I, I can't remember. Known. Well, they think they all were. They're all their yeah. moms around. Uh, yeah, no, right. Robin said, you're right, it was Jake's mom because Robin said her mom was 16. So getting a little older there. Yeah, More Jerry, Jerry fair, Lawler style there. A veritable Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, that grizzly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of interesting that uh, all those siblings, four siblings, they all had different take. Well, Robin and Jake kind of had the same take. Sam, I, you know, they kind of explain the other siblings kind of explain that Sam kind of looked at his dad like he could do no wrong. And it kind of came off that way. They're all sitting there saying Sam got out of doing time like 50 times because of his dad. And then they ask Sam and Sam's like, no, I don't think he ever got got me out of jail. So <laughs> Sam seems kind of this is scary, a little more out there than Jake. I mean, here in this time period anyway, right now. Yeah, it's crazy, man, because I used to see him come month to month for Crockett. And- Handsome young dude back then when he was with Baby Doll and a heck of a worker. And just not enough meat on them bones, man. Yeah, not enough meat on the bones. And uh, definitely a much better worker than Kendall Wyndham, who also had that that issue. Yeah, um, Sam Houston was a was a heck of a hand, as they say. And uh, you know, everybody drank at the hotel bar, so it, it didn't seem abnormal. But I, I mean, DUI, I'm not going to preach because believe it or not, there's one in my past. But 11, I mean, I see these people like Sonny and Sam Houston, 11 and allegedly you know, a million that he didn't get caught on and right. or did and got off of. It's, it's like, wow, like how? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I can see if you're impaired, you shouldn't get behind a wheel. No matter how much I joke, I'm not going to make that reference. But, you know, there's there's levels, in my opinion, um, besides blood alcohol content. I mean, there's levels like. You're two blocks away. You, yeah, you shouldn't. You should take an Uber, but I think that's a little better than just being smashed and going into the other lane of a fucking highway. 
Right. You know, right. Um, and and these are the kind of things that these 11, 12, 15 timers do. And it's just like, man, you have that little control no matter. Uh, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll never understand the mentality of, of jumping in a car when you're all fucked up. And I, I, I'll never understand. You know, it's you June know? now. So if if Sunny and I don't know that she did, I'm just guessing if she got a year, she should be out next month. So right back to the only fans. <laughs> well, it's it's. I mean, I always tried to defend her because I, I, I think it was like a couple days. I was in a locker room with her when her dad died and Chris died, so a lot of people died and stuff. It's kind of like the Jake thing. She if, was if a mess have, way before. I understand. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I said I did try to defend her. Not anymore. Gotcha. She. Yeah. It's. I don't know. I don't know what to say about her either, except she still has nice boobs, I think. Yeah, I'm not even sure about that anymore. You'd probably get drunk sucking on them. <laughs> no, nah, I mean... <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a bonus. Kill two birds with one stone there. Oh, Jesus Christ. If, as a... We haven't heard any uh, reports of anybody passing away, so if she does get out of jail, uh, the nice girl, Tammy, that I've been around a few times... Uh-huh. I hope that somehow she finds a program and all that. And I'm not perfect, so I'm not pointing the finger, but you know, right. I'd rather see her be alive. Yeah, I mean, and I'm no doctor either, but maybe there's a little more, <laughs> maybe some uh, therapy, some discussion sessions, uh, maybe <laughs> diagnoses of some type. Maybe just admit getting your inner inner soul and admit that you've always had a crush on Tom Robinson. You and go. you use guys like Chris Candido and whoever else. That's a that's a long list to, to try to get to try to get <laughs> close to me and feel like you were with me. And that may be like step one is admitting. I mean, admitting you have a problem and you're powerless over Tom Robinson. Well, she may show you attention, Tom, if you go to all of the um, registries that she's made on Amazon and these other stores and buy her all these things that she wants her fans to. She calls them fans. To buy her, her all these, uh, you know, nothing's normal. You know, it's like this uh, $5,000 sofa, this, you know, whatever, uh, $15,000 bed that you will not be sleeping in, but some someone else will. If I ever were to stoop that low at age 51, it would be, <laughs> my only fans account would be only Savannah Sampson, who has one now, who's an ex-adult star, who has her own wine vineyard and looks every bit as beautiful at I think around my age, as she did when she was doing blow bang some 20 years ago. That's pretty good if you age okay after that. Yeah, she is beautiful. She, she, she I'm getting a little off topic while we're wrapping up, but <laughs> she, she was on the Stern Show as a scores girl. And every time he would interview her back when he actually, you know, was kind of a, a dirty guy and didn't give a fuck. He he would just break character and be like, "What the fuck are you doing in scores?" And then he heard she got in porn. It was the same thing. Like you're literally one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen in my life. What are you doing? She's like, "I don't know. I have feelings and fantasies too." And okay, another mind boggler there. That's Savannah Sampson. But at least she's never been in the wrestling ring. Well, so she won't make the sizzling six yet. Yet anyway. <laughs> never say never. Never right? say never, pal. 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you want to go home now, that's cool, and uh, I'm glad to be back on. And, yeah, this uh, was kind of like a, just a random show. To didn't really have any uh, major topics to touch on. I just, uh, I, I'm glad that we got another show on the air. We're back in business now. Now that uh, your routes have gotten a little better, uh, your route and and your current job, they got you doing. And and me, I'm I'm able to talk at length now again, which is good. And and I have strength back in my voice as well. It was a little yeah, weak for a few weeks, and I was wor- worried the first couple weeks I was back, like, how long was this going to take before I sounded like me again, because it's very, very faint or very weak. So it didn't take long, though. All kidding aside, I was, I mean, fuck, we knew each other for four shows and like one off-air conversation, <laughs> and I thought we were starting to c- catch some momentum, and I was like, holy shit, is my new friend that I've never even met right. really going to die on me? I mean, I don't mean to be so blunt, but no. I was, but uh, I mean, well, the doctor was that blunt with me for the first three days I was in the hospital. Didn't tell me that, but he wouldn't tell me the opposite either. Wow. Well, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you made it through, and hopefully, it'll never uh, bother you again. Yeah. Well, they say the odds are like a gazillion to one. So let's hope. <laughs> let's just, hope you don't hit no lotteries. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's one lottery I don't want to win. Right on. <laughs> But no, I appreciate it, man. When you were uh, texting and checking in and everything like that, things just went downhill really fast. But they put enough crap in me to fix me up, back up the whatever medication and the IV and steroids and whatnot. So I got out of there. Took a twelve-day fever, though, man. That sucked. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, I can't really imagine. I had like one, one or two-day fever here and there, but uh, Lord have mercy. Yeah. But um, here we are. We're back on the air, so that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I know. I know it was a little tame tonight, but there's a few sound bites that might have quote shocked the world. So I'm good with it. Yeah, I'm happy. I mean, hey, we're just getting going again, and I'm just yeah. getting caught up on some of the uh, the shit that's been going on in the wrestling business for the past few weeks too. Because uh, I just when I came home, man, I had no interest in in anything at all wrestling, even the shit that I like, which is not necessarily the current product in a lot of <laughs> aspects but i just wasn't watching anything i was i didn't like for a few weeks it was just taking care of business around here probably doing more shit than i should have done around here too but it needed to get done for the summer but here we are we're back on the air which is cool it's great and uh i'm sure by uh, next episode we'll have some real topics to discuss but i had a lot of, I, it was a good time man and uh i, I thought you still touched on some fun shit there kind of gave everybody a behind the scenes peek of how the observer and the uh the after mags kind of worked for guys and just some of the random other shit going on. And hey, you debuted the sizzling six, which is going to be the big attention grabber for this episode. And I, I can't wait till somebody listens and feels good about the nice things I say and, and then hear my descriptions. <laughs> Ooh, I made it. Wait a minute. What did he just say? Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. CR Shocks the World, episode five, is in the books. Yeah, Tom, thanks for uh, making the time in between the. Uh, your shifts get us back on the air. Yeah, do your magic and uh, whatever whatever end product is. I trust you because you always pop me with something goofy. So, <laughs> all right, guys, I want to thank you once again. Uh, Tom Robinson shocks the world one more time with his sizzling six, and <laughs> there's only more of that to come. And let's not forget the return of Tiarnak is right around the corner as well, guys. I'm Ray Russell, and for the host with the most, Mr. Tom Robinson, this has been Tr. Shocks the world.
tell him in Mexican just to get out of here. <laughs>